Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Ryan Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Ryan Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the TFS pod. Uh, might be our last one of July. That's crazy. It actually will be because next Monday I won't be able to do it. Um, so last one of July, that means the next time we talk to you, um, that month will have football. That's crazy to say. Um, crowned the champion golfer of the year. More on that later. Um, NFL training camp started late last week, so we're rolling. Mich- uh, Big Ten media days are this week, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, without further ado, we'll hit the podium. I'm going first, as I have every time. NFL running back meeting slash situation. So if you're not familiar with the situation, um, NFL running backs like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, um, these guys aren't getting paid. Um, their contracts are expiring. Um, they're on the end of their rookie deals. They're looking for their, you know, their guaranteed contract after the fact, trying to get big money. And these guys aren't getting paid. They're and they're holding out for it. Um, it's a very interesting situation. And I just saw, heard about this late last week, and there's more articles on it today. Made me want to talk about it. They had, like, some meeting with, like, all the big... Like, Austin Eckler led it because he's trying to get paid. These running backs aren't making as much money because nowadays in the NFL, running backs are a dime a dozen. You can play them, pay them for five years on a rookie contract. They're paying out great. If you can get a guy for cheaper, um, it's on a rookie contract, and these guys are... They're disposable. They really are. It's not like it used to be where, you know, you you kept re-signing guy, re-signing guy. Now they just cycle through them, and it doesn't even matter. Um, they're trying to form like some union where they get paid big bucks. They're like, we're not making enough money. It's like the positions of need in the NFL where you get paid are quarterbacks, left tackles, and defensive ends. That's it. And occasionally a, a, a wide receiver like a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson, they're going to get paid. Um, Game's evolved. Yeah, it, it really has. It's it's quarterback heavy. Um, the runs. And by the way, you the all pass. make way more than enough money because I don't sniff what you make in a day. In a year of actual work, it's crazy. Um, so we'll see what happens with this. Um, as we uh, Saquon might hold out the season, we know, all know how that that went with Le'Veon. Um, he kind of fell off the face of the earth after he held out, which is kind of weird. Um, but you just, if you want your career to die, sure, hold out. But if not, you kind of got to deal with it. As sad as that is, um, I get it that they want their in air quotations, fair shake to what the other, you know, players that are good are being paid, but it's just the market and the football world we live in. Um, yeah, maybe, that, it, maybe it evolved back one day, but I mean, the days of the Walter Paytons and the Emmett Smiths and the Barry Sanders and, you know, like the workhorse backs, it's just not where the game is right now. So, you know, running backs shelf life is probably I'd have to look at it but as short as any position not very if long. you know if not the shortest of any position you know wear and tear and whatever there's a lot of expected of them so good for you to try to get paid but 
I'm, uh, take a look around. It's just it's not a running backs game right now. It's just not. It really isn't. All right, my podium. We'll certainly talk a lot more about golf and fourth down. But uh, you know, amongst all the chatter of oh, you know, well, one of my favorite headlines is golf was due for a big dud. Um, you know, the chatter of you know nobody kind of winning this or whatever. Like, can we just stop and celebrate what Brian Harmon did, which was by like eight and a half strokes bested the average on Friday with his 65. Yes, John Rahm set a 63 on Saturday, but his his round wasn't as good given the given how everybody else was scoring as Harmon's was that day. And he slept and held slept on and held a lead for two straight days after that. Played in some crazy conditions. He had nobody rooting for him because Saturday he was playing with Fleetwood, which, you know, of course I would expect the Brits to root for their their own. Um, they weren't necessarily rooting against Harmon, but like I just, I don't get, yeah, okay, does he waggle too much for me? Yes, I don't, I don't like that, like, but, but it's not in a, I always felt like when Sergio Garcia did it, he did it to say F you to the fans, like, I remember he really took heat for it at the U.S. Open at Best Page Black, when it was kind of a he and Tiger duel, and he kind of asked for it, he was a cocky ass, and he kind of asked for it, Harmon's not a cocky ass, I mean, that's what he does to stay calm, He's not a big hitter. He's kind of a little guy. He's like a Lee Trevino uh, of the new age. Dude dude made putts. He didn't make mistakes. When he did make mistakes, he bounced back. Every time. Why do we have to call it a dud? And why do we have to say golf was due for a dud? And why do we have to be bored with the fact that it's not one of the big guys and just celebrate the fact that this dude just flat out dominated the field and he won by six freaking strokes? And that included... John Rahm making a charge Saturday and for parts of Sunday. It included Rory hanging around the leaderboard the whole time. Some of the other guys that we would have expected weren't necessarily there, but it was a great leaderboard. It was great golf, and let's celebrate it for what it is. And let let me remind you, too, like these one-off winners happen, and, and Harmon had a great amateur career. Um, he's he's had a good solid like we talked about it last week when we went through all the names of guys that could potentially be there. He's been a top ten guy all year. Um, he's steady, and you got to be steady and unflappable to win a major. So instead of like oh I can't believe I was uh, like celebrate what the guy did and the conditions that he had to play in. Like Sunday was open conditions extraordinary. Not as windy necessarily, but slashing rains. It was just not as cold, but it was gross. Like, and he's persevered. He persevered in, you know, early round, late round, Thursday, Friday. He played great in the lead on Saturday. Played great on the lead on Sunday. He's a deserving winner. You, you know, say all you want. He's not, you know, and even like a. I go back to a guy like Ben Curtis. Remember, he back in the early two thousands. It's like 04 or something. He won basically because Bjorn put three in his own footprint in a row in the 17th bunker, wherever they were playing that year. Um, and he kind of backed into it. He never really did anything else. Harmon's been around for a while, and he's been in contention for a while, and maybe now this is what it takes. And the thing is, is he's so unassuming. Like, he didn't, this family wasn't there, which is too bad they were on vacation, but he's like, his most thing he's looking forward to is drinking a couple pints out of the Claret Judd. Jud, and riding around on his tractor cutting grass at his hunting property. I mean, like, how can you not like a guy like that? Yeah, he's just unassuming um, little guy with a big heart. All right. With a big ticker. Um, all right, I'm going to do the tee up this week. All right. I mean, we both agreed on this. But, all right, if, if you didn't hear this story, oh, boy. 
So here's the thing. Uh, back on, I think it was Friday. Let me get to the beginning of this particular. Um, a tour pro. So he wasn't like PGA Tour pro, but he's kind of like on the Canada PGA Tour, which would be akin to probably like the, what do you call the the mini tour? Not the mini tour. Corn Ferry. The Corn Ferry. It'd be like the Corn Ferry Tour, basically. This dude knew that he was on the cut line. Um, I'm not going to go through the how, but took a seven on the last hole. Um, needed a five to make the cut. Uh, and so he took that seven. His partner signed off on the seven. So, you know, if you're not familiar in golf and tournament golf, I've gotten to do this a couple of times. Like Ryan and I would trade cards and I'm responsible for keeping track of Ryan's score. He's responsible for keeping track of my own score. And of course, we're supposed to also know our own score. At the end, you compare your card to his card. You sign off on it. Make sure it's all good. People have lost tournaments because of this in the past. Notably, it happened. Some of you signed for the wrong score in the Masters in the 60s. So this guy gets a, you know, gets a seven on the last hole, seven on the card, agreed, signed off on it, whatever. This is where he cheated. He said, let me take one last look at that, Ryan. That's not the guy's name, but I'll just, for example. Yeah, sure, whatever. And the other guy's like, it's all signed off. He's good to go. We're not even thinking anything of it, right? He changes the seven to a five. Um, fortunately, somebody saw the score posted or something like that. I can't remember the exact detail. And was like, no way he had a five in the last hole because he hit his second shot into the water and he chunked another one. He had a seven. And then, like, they sure enough, they pulled out a scorecard and they saw that he had erased the seven and put a five. So stupid. Like, so he DQ'd him. He was DQ'd, obviously, for cheating, but he withdrew as soon as, it, you know, they started to sniff around it and then admitted it today, like, oh, yeah, I cheated because I, I wanted to make the cut or whatever. Tee this asswad up. Like, you're that could have messed with. Like, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty in these seasons to see who gets to go to Q school. You know, like, top 25 guys in the Corn Ferry Tour. I don't know what it is for PGA Canada, but, like, those are the guys that earn a spot in Q school that get a chance to play on the big tour in the next year. And this guy is trying to cheat his way into it. Like, in my mind, you know, no penalties will be doled out by the PGA Tour Canada or whatever. No way. This guy should be banned for two years minimally for doing this. Um, like there's no place for that in golf. Like, you know, we're playing on the weekend and we want to take a mulligan aside. Yeah. That's quote cheating per the rules. But like, we agree on that as, as buddies or father, son or whatever. Fine. Right. Like nobody's cheating because we agree that that's in play. This is in a tournament where we talked about rules last week where everything counts and the guy just flat out (laughs) cheated. He changed his score to get, to make a cut. It's just like, Tee him up. It's gross. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Bad. You don't hear about that very often, but I, I mean, this guy should be banned. He should be banned, and he should have to play miniature golf at, you know, something less than Pirates Cove the rest of his life. Right. Um, yeah, that's not good. Not good at all. All right. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Uh, four downs again we go after our quick word here for a presenting sponsor of this uh, Yeah, the segment here. sponsor, Norris Sports Group. This is our second week with NSG. It's a boutique agency of experts ready to take your new or existing program to the next level with their 30 plus years experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post campaign measurement. Visit NorrisSportsGroup.com today for more details or ask me because I worked with them for several years on big programs like the Amway Coaches Poll, Kurt Warner Sponsorship, and more. Uh, A trip to the World Cup for some of our people when I was at Amway. 
Um, fantastic company, great to work with. So if you've got sports marketing needs, you need a spokesperson, you need a, you need a sponsorship activation, they're your guys. All right. Sure. All right. Preview time. Preview again. NSG is our official Big Ten sports sponsor for the remainder of this and the next football and basketball season. Love it. You want to go first this week or you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. All right. Big Ten East, team number three. I'm going to take a nap. Um, I did Indiana week one, said they're not going to be very good. Then Maryland last week, a little better improvement. We're going to letter order for those keeping the score at home. This time, that brings us to the AA, the arrogant asses of the University of Michigan, the leaders and the best, as they call themselves. Um, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. They're going to be effing good. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. They're going to be really, really good. Um, they return a lot. Um Harbaugh's back after flirting with the NFL for the second consecutive season. He's a clown. But they're winning now. Um, after wanting to fire him after 2020 and the 2021 didn't go well, probably is gone. Um, they lose that game against Nebraska before they played Michigan State. Lose Michigan State, probably end up snowballing. Lose Morgan, he's probably done. Instead, they win these games, beat Ohio State two years in a row. Um and here they are. They're back. Probably the best two seasons they've had in a row in the last, what, 25, 30 years. Um, won Big Ten title in 2021 for the first time since 04. Um, and again, won it last year. 13-1, 9-0 in the Big Ten. Beat Iowa pretty – or I'm sorry, it was Purdue pretty handily in the Big Ten championship. Lost um, to TCU. Gave up a lot of yards in a high-scoring game. Harbaugh, this is ninth season. 74-25 and 25 overall. It's pretty – pretty good but it's Michigan they have nine built-in wins every season so it makes sense uh the recruiting class pretty good third in the Big Ten bringing in some good guys um they always do um and some good transfers as well one of the best classes out there um guys that they've lost that were key from last year Ronnie Bell he's gone he was a sixth year senior I believe last year um Luke Schoonmaker got drafted in the second or third round by the Cowboys Eric All. He transferred to Iowa, lost Jake Moody, their kicker, for the last, whatever, three years. He's on the 49ers now. Mozzie Smith, gun boy, he's gone. Um, and Mike Morris, one of their better defensive linemen, gone. So they, they lost a few key guys. They returned a lot, though. Ju- uh, Jesus Jr., J.J. McCarthy, he's back um, for year two as a starter. That 247 in an article, they ranked him the number one quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, he's a good player. He is. I'll give him that. He's a cocky, arrogant SOB, um, but that's a product of he just looks like a pretty boy in his coach, so um, not surprising. But he's good, dual-threat guy. He doesn't really have to do a ton. He can throw the ball 20 times a game and go 15, 16, 20, and with two touchdowns, and they'll probably win most games. Um, then they have the two-headed monster of Corum and Edwards back at running back. Um, Corum, Anti-Semite. Yeah. Edward, I mean, as much of a D-bag, he, I mean, these guys are really, really good football players. Um, Corum, come back from that knee injury, we'll see if he slowed up at all to start. Um, who knows? They have a bunch of other young guys at back that are pretty good as well. Receiver, they've got Cornelius Johnson back. He's been there for like 20 years. Rowan Wilson, he's been there for like 20 years. And Colson Loveland, he's one of the tight ends. He came on at the end of last year. He was pretty damn good. 
started a lot of games as a freshman last year. Um, then their defense, Junior Colson, he's been kind of their main guy in the middle for the last couple years at linebacker. Chris Jenkins, defensive lineman, he's kind of tabbed as a borderline first rounder for next year. And then Will Johnson, he was a five-star in 2022. He's probably their best corner. Um, then they have most of that offensive line back from last year and brought in a few other guys um, that are transfers. They're pretty dang good. Um, they brought in another tight end, good one from Indiana, A.J. Barner, um, was a starter there. Then Drake Nugent, another uh, offensive lineman there. I was, I was saying that's good. He was kind of an all-conference player at Stanford as a center. And then Josiah Stewart, he was an all-conference player at Coastal Carolina. They plucked him. And then Ernest Hausman, uh, he'll bring um, – he was a starter last year. Um, I think he might have been a freshman All-American for Nebraska at linebacker. He's a pretty good player. Um, is it natty or bust? I think it is for them. Um, that's what Blake Corum's saying. So whatever Blake says is true. Uh, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's it's a disappointment if they don't make it to a national championship game and win it because this is a roster that stacks up against anyone in the country. I hate to say it as a Michigan State fan. Um, someone that despises the University of Michigan, but they're going to be really good. They're talented. Um, they have everything. They have special teams. They have quarterback play. They can run. Uh, great offensive line, a really good defense, um, and they have pretty good coaching. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm guessing they're going to run the ball 50-plus times a game again like they have the last couple years because that's just what they do. They're ground and pound old-school football, and they can do it with that line and all the ways they can come at you in the run game. Um, but yeah, um, my prediction for them, I, I'm whole, I, I'm, this is based off of just gut feeling because I, I think Ohio State's had enough. Um, we'll just go through their schedule. So, I mean, talk, go get your candle and light the candle on your chocolate cupcake, um, for this non-conference schedule. East Carolina at home to start, who was pretty good last year, but this year they lost everybody. They're going to be horrible. They'll blow them out. It's a snoozer. Then they play UNLV. They'll score 70 points. It'll be 70-7 to seven or whatever. Then they play Bowling Green next week, who's horrible. Um, then they have home against Rutgers, who Rutgers could be an okay team. I mean, Shiano's a good coach. They kind of gave him a run a couple years ago at Michigan, if you remember. Had him kind of – and then Rutgers fumbled when they are driving late because that seems to happen against Michigan a lot. Teams – just kind of gift the ball to them. Um, it's weird. Then they go to Nebraska. So I have them starting off 6-0. and or I'm sorry, that'd be 5-0 and oh right there. Then they go to Minnesota. Tricky old trap game. Um, winning oh, jug. Um, then Indiana at home win. They don't lose to Indiana unless it's COVID. Um, then they have Michigan State at home. Have them beating us. Then they have a bye. Um, Purdue at home should be a win. Then, then a tough Tougher last three games at Penn State have them winning because they always beat Penn State for some reason. Then at Maryland, maybe a close game, but they'll win. Then Ohio State, they have them at home. Now, I think by this point, Michigan's heads are going to get so big that they're finally going to pop. And I think Ohio State's had enough, and they're going to win. An, I'm saying an absolute shootout, and they finally get them. But Michigan, I have them going 3-0 out of the conference, 8-1 Big Ten, second in the Big Ten East. 11-1 overall, they're still going to make the CFP as like the four seed um, with an 11-1 record, but I think Ohio State's going to get them this year. I think that they're they're due. I think Ohio State's had enough. Michigan's getting a little too cocky in that, and I think they're tired of it. Um, but they're going to be a really good team all year long. They're going to be in the top five all year long, unless there's some mishaps, some injury. Um, 
But yeah, watch out for the Wolverines. They'll be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if they went 12 and 2. I'm just this is from my gut. I think they're going to lose this time to Ohio State. I do. Yeah, Ohio State won't have the pressure. I, I the only difference is I've got them running the table, um, winning the Big Ten championship. I mean, probably getting the number one seed. Uh, too early to tell based on who's out there and what's going on, whether they'll win the national championship. I tend to think, honestly, that they'd probably choke on oatmeal uh, or on baby food or strained carrots or whatever when it comes down to it because I just think, you know, last year they were not – they were not – TCU was not a better team um, than them, and they found a way to choke that away. So I, I, I don't – I'm not sold that they're going to win a national title, and I – as a Michigan State fan, I pray to God that they don't. No, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do, because for all the reasons Ryan said, they're they're the they're the cream of the East, and the East has uh, at least three really really solid teams. Um, I, I also have them winning it, and we'll get to the other teams later. So, all right, moving over to the West, my team this week, uh, and I'm going in order of worst to first. If you recall, I had Northwestern finishing seventh. And then I had last week Purdue finishing sixth. This week I have the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, finishing fifth. Uh, and probably listen to their five-year conference trend, probably about right. 2018, three and six in the Big Ten, tied for fifth. 2019, three and six, tied for fifth. 2020, three and five, fifth. 2021 was the one anomaly, one and eight, tied for sixth. And then last year, three and sixth. Sixth season started poorly with that loss to Northwestern, um, and Scott Frost just never could rebound and got fired mid-season. New coach in town. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, is this finally the time that Nebraska bounces back? Time will tell. We'll look back at last year. Um, I had them going two and one. I, I was favorable on Nebraska last year. Ryan yes, was were. not. I had them going two and one out of conference. They went one and two. Lost to Georgia Southern. That was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I had them going five and four in the Big Ten. We talked about it. they went three and six. I had them seven and five, tied for second, going to the Music City Bowl. They went four and eight, sixth place finish, and did not go to a bowl game for the sixth straight season. Moving on to the 2023 outlook. That has been six years, six years since a winning season graced the super fans in Lincoln. And I say super fans, not tongue in cheek. They are incredible They're people. Crazy. They are great people. They are loyal to a T. There's nothing else to do there, right? Um, but their fans are great, and they're they're good to opposing teams too. To be honest, um, everyone thought you know when heroic son Scott Frost came to coach after an excellent little run at UCF, the answer was nigh. But as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friends. Nebraska instead found more creative ways to blow close games than any one program perhaps in the history of college football. Nebraska under Frost, lost an astounding 26 one-score games in those five years. 26. And I didn't count how many wins that he had in close games, but it wasn't very many. many. Um, Let that sink in a minute. 26. Well, not 0 and 26, but 26 losses of games you could argue you could have won. I mean, imagine if even half of those went the other way. Nebraska wouldn't, you know, have been a national title contender in those years, but they surely wouldn't be in the spot with just some ability to close the game. Um, that's on coaching. Enter Matt Golden Rule. Will he get the Huskers right and deliver what their oh-so-loyal fans crave? Perhaps, but probably not quite this year. 
Offense. One thing Nebraska fans can expect for sure is a gradual return to its offensive roots. No, not the triple option from the glory days, but a huddle offense complete with a fullback and multiple tight end sets focused on controlling the line of scrimmage and owning the ground game. A lot like Michigan. Maybe not quite ground and pound, but there are <coughs> excuse me, ample capable backs in the cache, including Anthony Grant, who rushed for just under 1,000 yards and six touchdowns last year, and then Gabe Irvin as well. The Oscars also bring in a dual-threat quarterback in Georgia Tech transfer Jeff Sims. Sims was a true dual threat with the Yellow Jackets, and now that Casey Thompson has transferred again, he's definitely the guy for Nebraska. Sims has wide out Marcus Washington back, last year's second-leading receiver. Sixth-year senior transfer Billy Kemp could be a big-play guy, uh, but the one to watch really is freshman Malachi Coleman. Tight end Thomas Fedoni II has potential and look for offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield to de- focus on development of a mix of pass-catch threats and block-first tight ends for the new attack. Nebraska is at least decent in most starting spots skill-wise, but as with any successful offense, it all comes down to the play of the O-line. Nebraska didn't go over 100 yards rushing in its last five games last season, and especially come November, you need to be able to control the front to win close games. There are some bets, but no standouts up front. Those center Ben Scott, um, who I believe is a transfer from Arizona State or Arizona, and sophomore Teddy Projaka could come up big, as might Turner Corcoran, who has a versatility to play guard or tackle. On the defensive side of the ball, Matt Rule turned things around at his pass stops, most notably Baylor, with a good defense before a good offense. This defense has some work to do and needs to build proven depth. A few good players left, a few good ones transferred in. The Oscars will adapt to a 3-3-5 style, close to the 4-2-5 that's become popular, um, which plays to the personnel strength secondary, but defensive coordinator Tony White does like to mix it up in terms of looks. The only returning starter on the D-line is Ty Robinson. With the rest up for grabs, true freshman Prince Will Eumann-Million, kind of a cool name, Prince Will, and Cameron Linhart may get long looks as White it sets the tone for what this D should look like. There have been some upheaval at linebacker, but Luke Reimer is the team's most productive returning player, making 194 tackles with 11 PBUs over the past two years. He'll be a force inside uh, with Houseman, as Ryan talked about, off to Michigan. Georgia transfer MJ Sherman and Florida transfer Chief Borders, another good name, will need to step in and produce right away. Nick Hendrick also returns, so if he can stay healthy, that means good depth at linebacker. Defensive backs Miles Farmer and Isaac Gifford are back as steady tacklers. Toss in returners in Quentin Newsome, Marcus Buford Jr., and Malcolm Hartzog. And secondary coach Evan Cooper has a strength has the strength of the new look D in his hands. So um, Nebraska is going to have to build from the back end up. Um, they're going to take some lumps, I believe, on defense. Maybe they've got enough on offense to kind of get them by. We'll get into that here in a minute. Special teams wise, rule says special teams could quote win us a, two games this year. Um, the scholarship class included freshman place kicker, place kicker Tristan Alvano, so they hope he can live up to the expectations and turn some of the close losses to wins. Uh, Nebraska returned only five punts last season. I thought that was absolutely insane. They returned five kicks, um, and that's where Billy Kemp IV, the Virginia transfer wide receiver, sixth-year guy, um, could help as well. My final take, Nebraska should be on the cusp of something here with a rule. I believe he really is a good coach. He's one of those examples of a college coach that flirted with the pros, got paid, and sucked in the pros and went back to where he belongs. Uh, But that's been the case the past several years. Nebraska's supposedly been on the cusp. 
Big Ten West is the place to rebuild quickly, but this is the last chance a team like Nebraska has to rise quickly given the addition of USC and UCLA and the departure of divisions next season. Cornhuskers have Michigan and Iowa at home. They avoid Penn State and Ohio State from the east. Rule has a track record of proven success, unlike Frost, who had only had the quick blip at UCF to his credit when he came in. Look for the culture to come around quickly from the disturbing reports of where it was under Frost and for Nebraska to finally get back to the postseason. I believe their 2023 floor is still 4-8. I think 4-8 is, is doable when we break down the schedule here in a minute. I think the ceiling's 8-4. I think they could have a surprisingly good season, I, and I've got them no, no question splitting the difference. Start with a doozy at Minnesota. Minnesota's been breaking in some new guys, but Minnesota's been a really good team the last couple of years. I've, I've got that as a loss to get the rule era started. But then I got them going to visit old Big 12 slash Big 8 rival Colorado, playing Neon Dion and taking the win against the Buffaloes. I think the Buffaloes like, turned over their entire roster, and everybody has sold that, that primetime's going to you know, turn them around in a year and they're going to go from worst to first and be a national championship contender. Not really, but um, I think Nebraska gets that win and it gets things energized. Then I don't think they blow these games that they should win. They play Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech the following weekends at home. I think they win both of those. I think they'll actually give Michigan a little bit of run for their money. It's going to be probably really Michigan. I mean, Michigan plays Rutgers, I think, the week before. But generally speaking, it's Michigan's first first test. It's their first first road road game. game. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a, a one-score game, but I think Nebraska will keep it close there for two and a half, maybe three quarters. Then they go to Illinois. This is one of those games that could go either way. I've got them losing at Illinois. I could definitely see them winning at Illinois. That's one of those that could flip them towards the ceiling. Northwest, then a, then a bye. Northwestern and Purdue at home, those are easy wins. At Michigan State, another one of those games that could potentially be a flip-flop. I've got them losing in East Lansing because I think that's going to be a key game for Michigan State. When we get to their preview um, for their season, I think that's going to be the linchpin to Michigan State's bowl eligibility. So I think with the pressure there, that's going to be one of those one-score games, much like it was a couple years ago when Jaden Reed took it to the house to tie the game late. Um, then they go to or then they play Maryland at home. I think that's one of those that they could lose, but I think they're going to win because it's in Lincoln. Then they go to Wisconsin. That's a loss, and I've got them losing on the Black Friday game against Iowa although they got off that snide last year and beat Iowa at Iowa. So, again, one of those games that could contribute to more of the ceiling uh, than the floor. Overall, lock it up. That's 3-0 and out of conference. That's 3-6 and in the Big Ten, right where they've been for their five-year average. That's 6-6 six and six overall, though. Good for fifth in the West and a bid to the pinstripe bowl in New York because Nebraska still is a big name. They draw. And New York City would love to have a Cornhusker fan base that hasn't been to a bowl game in X amount of years. Although I'm going to guess a lot of those Cornhuskers are not going to be too happy with what's going on in the state of North uh, New York, um, based on you know what's going on politically wise. So that is my Nebraska preview. Um, next week we are on week number four of our seven week. Yep. Run. Closer. Again, Ryan going alphabetical. I'm going I'm not doing worst to first. Until last, though. All right. That's so right. alphabetical asterisk. Um, I picked, by the way, I picked Nebraska 7 oh, yeah, The only difference I had was the headman beating Illinois. Um, nice. So pretty close. 7 5 guaranteed rate bowl. Um, Don't say that too fast because you'll say it wrong. Yep. <laughs> All right. Moving on to second down. Um, mailbag. Uh, I just made a couple questions up, Ryan. I don't know if you have anything hodgepodge you want to start with. Uh, 
Lions, we thought C.J. Gardner-Johnson was done for the season. He's fine. He's going to be all right. That's good. Teddy Bridgewater visited the Lions. That's weird, especially since he drafted a freaking quarterback. I, I wish the Lions would be all-time hard knocks. Yeah, they should be. It's the Jets. Screw, I bet it'll be funny just because they're such a weird, such a weird people. Like Aaron Rodgers, he's a freak. Um, Tigers playing playing well, hanging in there. Good for them. Um, trying to think, Cubs football wise. I, t- I said media days already. Um, coming up quick. Michigan State I think starts practice next week. Michigan State says they're dropping some big news. I think it's on Friday for. Hundredth anniversary of Spartan Stadium. Don't know if they're doing maybe some it's like a D'Antonio or, uh, statue. I don't know. I hope it's something cool. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. NBA, no. NFL. Not that the majors are. I mean, you got the Hall of Fame game coming up in preseason yeah, football that's next that's, week. That's a yawner, but you know, talk about get us through um, until the FedEx Cup. And then football starts. You know, some TV worth watching. You got uh, Winning Time, which I recommend. Um, it's a series about the uh, transition to the Lakers um, when Magic went there. I watched the first season, and I wasn't sure if they're going to come out with the second. And it comes out August sixth. Really excited about that. That's on Max, formerly HBO Max. If you haven't been watching it, Ryan and I are about five deep in quarterbacks. We've been taking our time with it because it's a super interesting really good show. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is um, is a family favorite, so. Um, just an interesting insight into the quarterbacks, though, with those three guys. Um, you know, really enjoyable show. So that's on Netflix, which is also releasing. Um, I think it's a covering the two years of the cha- national championships, right, at University of Florida coming up. Yeah. Under Urban Meyer, and then cool. a, at the same time, a Johnny Manziel docu series. Then you got Hard Knocks with the Jets. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of. A lot, of good stuff. a lot of good stuff going on and you know already produced so you don't have to worry about the actors writers whatever guild strikes where they're all just you know they're trying to go hide their sex trafficking rings so they're on strike to do that instead apparently but whatever I digress all right so a question for you Ryan um, because this has to clear some hurdles but of course our dumbass governor in Michigan has nothing better to do than say University of Michigan and Michigan State can sell booze at games should alcohol be sold at? Michigan I think, State it's, a, I think it's a horrible idea at college games because there's a bunch of how are they going to monitor that? It's going to be a mess. Those concessions are going to be a mess. Yeah, the lines are going to be terrible. There's already a bottleneck in there. Just imagine that with alcohol sales, trying to ID people, do all that stuff. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, we're going to put a going to be like the Eagles and put a put a jail in the in the place for all the fake IDs. Fifteen dollar beers. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. Like, look, you can. Especially because they open tailgating up to not be so regimented and you can be there at 7 a.m. except for the first game of the year, whether it's a 7 o'clock game at night or it's a you know noon game. There's plenty of time to get your drink on before the game and wander your way in the stadium. And if you so choose to try to avoid getting strips or sneak something in if you want, like I just don't think it's a good idea. I think we've got bigger fish to fry in this state, Gretch, than... You know, voting to she allow she's a hero. Yeah, voting to allow booze at Michigan State and Michigan games and central games and western, western games for that Green matter. Valley just like come on. Like really, that's just nonsensical. Um all right, I got a question for you. What's more annoying? Ongoing COVID year people, sixty year players. Yeah, are they done yet? No. Or the open transfer portal. The transfer portal, but it's close second. I mean, you you technically have two more years of eligibility if you want. 
No. Oh no, because well, because you never redshirted. I mean, you'd have to redshirt for one of those years, but it's just stupid. Um, I I think they're both idiotic. Like I think the COVID thing is coming to an end finally. That fake uh, pandemic. Close. But, uh, yeah, I agree. The open transfer portal is probably worse. But another thing to call to your attention, Ryan brought this to my attention. You want a good brain teaser to start the day? Immaculate, yeah. immaculate grid. Crossover um, grid. It's like a nine by nine grid, and it matches up. But I think right now they've got MLB and, and NFL. They have MLB and, and NFL and Immaculate Grid. If you look at a crossover grid, they have NBA, NFL, and NHL. So you could have, like, for example, you know, first square in the top could be the Lions. Uh, first square up and down could be the Cowboys, and you have to find a player that's played for both the Lions and the Cowboys. And they'll mix in some statistical things, and it's tough. It's a lot tougher than you would think. And then the nice thing is, is once you run out of chances, you can kind of see who the most popular picks were, and then you can go see all the potential options that you had there. Got to know your logos, though, because I screwed that up the other day on the baseball one. I kept thinking it was the Twins and it was the Rangers. I'm like, damn it, I know that this answer is right, and I ran out of chances because I had the wrong logo. Um, but you're looking for something to kind of tease your brain and get you going sports-wise, definitely recommend the Immaculate Grid. So fun. Anything else hodgepodge-wise? Don't think so. All right. Moving on. A quick word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty, will help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more from our presenting sponsor at TeamAnders.com. All right, Ryan. Uh, I thought about this one on the way home from work because I've got that nice our drive that I have to deal with. In honor of our ongoing previews, we're going to do brackets of Big Ten bests over the next few weeks. This week is quarterbacks, and this is current. This is current projected starters, and they're seeded based on the amount of starts they have, not based on my opinion of where they are. So we'll have some definite upsets, um, but I thought that was the fairest way to do it. This is is tough because I'm going to be honest with you. These quarterbacks haven't started a lot of games, and the ones that have are not very good. It's weird. Right, it it's is. It's all potential-based. and Yeah. So let's, let's jump right into it. So first you got 12-seed Drew Alar at Penn State, who is supposed to be great. And he played a five little bit last recruit. year. Five-star recruit. He showed some promise last year against 13-seed Noah Kim from Michigan State, who had you know some really good numbers in backup last year, but it's different when you're the starter. Uh, but both have zero starts to their credit. I'm going with Alar. He's I've I saw him throw a football in a couple of games. That guy is he he is the makings to be a re, like a the next big thing. He's six five two forty and yeah, he can move. He's a big dude. I agree. <laughs> it's got to be him. I mean, Kim, I, I hope Kim has a good season. But from now on, we don't refer to him as Noah Kim. We refer to him as either Noah him. Or the Korean cannon. <laughs> All right, the Korean cannon it is. That's what I'm calling them. All right, and then you got number 11 seed Luke Altmaier, who has all of, I believe, transfer. one start under his belt against Tavian Jackson, or Taven Jackson, uh, Altmaier. zero Altmaier. starts. Altmaier's pretty decent. I, he was back up at Ole Miss for a little bit behind um, Corral and Dart. Last yeah, time. I don't know much about these guys, so I'll just go with... The, the fact that he's got one start compared to zero starts. All right, so then you got Cade McNamara, the number five Cade. seed. 16 starts to his credit, I believe it is, um, against, and you've got him against uh, Drew Alar. Uh, 
It's tough. I'll go with Alar. I think McNamara is a decent quarterback. I don't think he's great. I think he's just a game manager. I think so too, but he could definitely upgrade um, Iowa for sure. Yeah, he's better he than definitely upgrade Petrus. Iowa. Petrus is horrible. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go based on potential here. I think. I mean, McNamara. I think has got something to prove, and I believe Michigan plays Iowa, so that could be interesting. But I'm gonna go with a little cool upset here too, and Alar. Then surprising because you'd put him here, but he only has 13 starts to his credit. JJ McCarthy as the sixth seed against Altmeyer. JJ. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I I would agree. I hate um, him, but he's good. Yeah, he's cocky as hell, but doing um, his doing his Buddha and whatever is whatever what's it called? What's it? What, what is it? He does it before the game where he does the oh, Zen Buddhism or yeah, whatever, whatever bullshit? Why have I forgetting what's called? Meditating garbage. All right, Weird. you got his number. Dad gropes his girlfriend. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, number seven, Gavin Wimsat. I think he's got something like six starts under his belt at Rutgers against number 10 seed Kyle McCord from McCord. Ohio State, who has one. McCord, he's going to be start. good. Wimsat was 0-5 was last year as the starter. He's poop. Uh, then you got Kaliak Manis. Sounds like Achman oh, Rod. His, his name's Ethan, I think. Ethan, yeah, from Minnesota against Hudson Card from Purdue. Hudson Card's not seed. a bad quarterback. I'm going to go with Card, and he's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go with Card, too. He was pretty he had decent at Good Texas. time, yeah, good, good good backup and three starts under his belt. Um, Kylie Achmanis had five starts. has five good. starts to his credit. So then you got Tua, the number one seed, Talia. against, uh, or yeah, sorry, not Tua, Ta- Talia against uh, Hudson Card. Talia, he's pretty decent. I don't think he's great, but he's better than Card, I think. And then you've got uh, Jeff Sims, the number four seed for Nebraska, against Alar. Both of us do. See, in 247, they rank Sims as the number four quarterback in general. He was dog water at Georgia Tech. He was bad. He was a good dual threat guy, though. He had good stats. Georgia yeah, Tech was horrible. threw a bunch of picks. And will it fit right in at Nebraska? Yeah, then I'm going with Alar. I think Alar is going to be a beast. All right, I'm going to go Sims. I think he's going to do more for Nebraska this year. I so. bet he gets benched. And then you got number three seed at the dog meat team of the conference, Northwestern, Ben Bryant. He's Cincinnati been transferred. Well, I'm sorry, third. He went to Cincinnati, transferred to Eastern Michigan, transferred back to Cincinnati. Now he's at Northwestern. Against JJ. JJ. And I agree with that. And then you got Tanner Mordecai from SMU. He's pretty good. Against uh, who did we both have him against? Kyle McCord. I'm going. I think more. I'm going Mordecai. Mordecai is a good quarterback. He was really good at SMU, and he's playing in the air raid. So. Quarterback friendly. And I'm going to go with McCord uh, to win this game. And you got Mordecai. So, all right. So, you've got uh, one seed, Tugavayavoa, whatever his nuts is, against Alar. I'm going Tugavayavoa. And I've got him against Sims. I'm going Tugavayavoa as well. Um, He's got 29 starts to his credit, by the way. By far the most of returning guys. Mordecai is 24. I guess Bryant is 23. So, pretty close. And then you've got Mordecai against JJ. Uh, Hate to do this, but I'm gonna say JJ. And then yeah, I got JJ against McCord. I, I'm gonna go with JJ's proven commodity. So we both have Tukavailoa against JJ. Okay. 
I don't like either of them. Um, I'm not picking a Michigan guy. I'm going with Tugabile. I actually do think he's decent. He's just small. He's small, but I mean, they, he can wing it. He's, he can wing it. He's a good quarterback. I good. I think he. I'm going to pick him too. I think he's an. NBA I mean, I think athletically, JJ is a better quarterback. But I'm going to say this: JJ does not get as much opportunity in a Jim Harbaugh offense as Tugabailoa mm. does in the Maryland offense because he's got to do TT. We'll call him has to do more for Maryland to get them to win than JJ does. Yes. JJ just has to, to not, not make stupid mistakes and, and complete. 16 out of 20 passes a game and be a game be a a good game manager. I'm not saying that's what he is because he's more he's more talented than yeah, that, he's but he's not going to throw the ball 50 times a game. He's yeah, he's that's just what not. Just, does. Harbaugh would never let him do that and therefore Michigan has so much more around him that they could go to a backup and probably still win games and if Maryland went to their backup, they'd probably lose other games. So with yes. that being the tiebreaker, I'm going to go Tagovailoa as well. Yep. All right, so next week I'll take a look and we'll probably do like running backs, maybe we'll you do receivers. Do, you should do like best from take like the best coach from every Big Ten school and we we'll go against each other or something. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, we can do I could make like that. that. Yeah. All right. Fourth down. Golf. Wolf. Um, What's that? Well, the Open. We, you talked about it. Brian Harmon. Um, ones by a touchdown. Um, yeah, impressive. Impressive, it was. I'm not a huge Brian Harmon fan, but good for him. He dominated. Ryan says that he plays with the Little Tykes clubs. He does. He's like five foot six. He's really a short king, but good for him. He won, blocked out the haters. Um, he said that one thing that fueled him was some guy said, "Hey Brian, you don't have the stones." When he was like walking off on yeah. the greens, and, and he remembered that after he started like bogey bogey on Saturday, and he bounced back Motivated. like you said earlier from yeah. every mistake he made. He come back and you know was better where he hit like every fairway basically um 48 of 49 from 10 feet and in that's unbelievable i mean i wish i could do that and i read i read a um, quick little story i don't have all the stats and stuff but like you look at him and the reason why he won is he hits driver more he doesn't have the ball speed right like he doesn't hit it as he far but there's a really good article i think it was it was either in golf magazine or golf digest i get them confused because i get both every day um, but it talked about how, like, okay, in total driving distance, he's like 147th. But when you kind of start to peel away at it, because he doesn't hit it as far, he, on holes where maybe guys hit a, a three wood because it's 280 versus hitting their driver 320, and he hits his driver 290, he's gaining 10 extra yards over those three wood holes for those guys. He hits driver and can hit it more often and hits it pretty straight. And then, therefore, that sets him up you know, with his putting, which I use lights out this week. He's not like the best putter on tour by any stretch, but he's a pretty good putter, but he, he has a really good strokes, um, strokes gained off the tee because of the advantage of have being able yeah, to hit his driver he's more pretty often. straight. Yeah. And, and it's just the fact, like when guys are maybe hitting a two iron because they're going to get in trouble, he can hit his driver. Um, and just, He's got more distance that way on these epically long golf holes that they play. So, yeah, um, good for him. Yeah, super interesting. Really, like you said, one of the most coveted, uh, like junior amateur players of all time coming out of Georgia. Beat Ricky Fowler in some epic match once, I think, when they were amateurs. Um, Probably, congratulations, Brian. You probably made the Ryder Cup on points. So, good for you. Um, Being on Team USA here in a couple months in Rome. Yeah. but yeah, it, it, it was a pretty 
anticlimactic tournament. I mean, it was pretty boring, to be honest, because he was up ahead and no one really made a move, and people were kind of getting pissed off about it. They couldn't get close to him, and that's he played really well, so good for him. If you look down the leaderboard, I mean, at 7-under, which was 6 off the lead, you had a, a pretty damn good good group there. Tom Kim fighting through an ankle. Ankle spray, yeah. He was on crutches. Sepp Straga, who is... Probably going to play for Europe in the Ryder Cup. He's been really good this season. Mm-hmm. The last month, especially, he's been a heater, just a birdie machine. Jason Day finally played well in the major. And then Rom hit that 63 on Saturday, made a charge. He's he, he's had a really good season. Then um, Grio and McElroy were at six under. Um, some other notables. Cam Young, he shows up in the Open every year. Um, he kind of got frustrated on Sunday, didn't play very well. Homa finally a top 10 in a major. Um, Fleetwood thought he was going to do well, you know, had that great first day, and then he didn't. He was one over the last three days combined. Not great. Um, Hovland, uh, it, that was my big pick. He, he did okay. Um, T13, Shoffley decent. Um, Scheffler was not good. And he still managed T23, shot four under. Um, he had one of the better rounds of the day on Sunday. Yeah, he, he dude can't putt. I, mean, I, I wonder if he's the yips or something. He cause he he leads the by far strokes gain tee to green in in on the PJ Tour by a long shot. He just can't putt. If he could make five more percent of his putts, he'd probably have five or six wins this season mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. And he'd probably have two or three more majors, to be honest with you. Um, Ricky, okay, he did all right. Spieth, Spieth did okay. Um how about JT uh, DJ? I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get there. We're going to start talking about Cho, uh, are these guys ever going to win a major? Probably no. Patrick Cantley. Talked about this earlier with Mitch at work. Patrick Cantley is the kind of guy, he's never going to win a major, but he'll win the FedEx Cup two or three times. He'll win the Tour Championship. He'll win the BMW. He'll win some other thing. But he doesn't. He won't win anything that actually matters because he's not that good. He doesn't have the stones. Yeah, he to doesn't. win a major, to win a major. No, to I mean, win he's a good, major. He's, he's good, good, good enough to win tournaments. He's not good enough to win the biggest ones. Um, Bryson, not he didn't play great. Draw had a three hundred sixty-seven yard green that he drove. Kepa didn't play great. Um, he's kind of frustrated. Um, you got to talk about you know, like Morikawa. He last time he won was at the Open two years ago. He's missed two straight Open he's cuts. Missed he's missed a cut. Yeah. He he had that win. That he just absolutely choked away to Rom. I wonder if that I, that left him some scar tissue because he hasn't yeah, really been in contention since. I'll tell you, I think, and I read it. I think, like, if you break down JT's game, he's really like he even said he, just he, making he, he played mistakes. he played well enough to shoot a good score when he shot an eighty two, but he's overthinking it. I think these guys are overthinking it. Yeah, I, I think that they're so hands. pressing themselves. Wants to make and they're just, cup, they're just, to, yeah, they're just not relaxing. And like you, you've seen it in Rory how relaxed yeah, he is he, now that the live stuff is kind of out of his head, and how he just kind of like let his shoulders go and just free flowing. And that's why a guy like Harmon can sneak up and win a tournament like this because he's got nothing to lose, and he can just yeah. swing freely, and you know he can just kind of swashbuckle a little bit, and you know the, there's just not that pressure there. And I think guys like JT, who's still pretty young. Putting a lot of pressure on himself. Two major championships. Uh, yeah. Martin Warren same thing. Two major championships. Still very young in his mid twenties. I just think they're 
they're thinking too much. I mean, we kind of saw it with Spieth, and then he started to regenerate his game can a little Fino bit. Can Finau get um, off? Can he actually win something? Because yeah. aside from at an easy resort course. I think DJ is kind of getting up there in age a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's still he's good, but like good. people weren't talking about the fact he shot a freaking 81. Yeah, uh, no you know, really when JT it. shot an 82, everybody's giving him a hard time wondering if he's done. And then J- DJ does that. It's like, mm, uh, okay. Um, it's kind of weird. Man, yeah, crazy. So I got another couple of things uh, from the open. Too many commercials when we didn't yeah, get a chance to watch NBC on Sunday. NBC is a horrible like, production. I'm sorry. they do. Just too many uh, split screens and then to flat out commercials. It's like I get... Maybe it was because the golf wasn't as close, and so they felt like we got to get our inventory in or whatever. But like when I finally got a chance on Sunday to sit down, because Ryan and I played Saturday um, during the height of it, you know, so Sunday was the day, and it's just like it's disappointing when there's so many commercials during a major. Um, this was something I saw the other day um, on Golf Channel coverage that I thought was really good. It was a really good discussion between Brad Faxon and Brandel Chambly. Um, talking about should greens be slowed down um, for the PGA Tour events in the U.S. Like, you know, they're always talking about 14, 14 and a half on the stimp and the fast greens. Like, you know, they roll about a 10, maybe a 10 and a half at the open, and it's because it's so windy there, right? Like, and they're up on these knobs, and the ball's got a hold. You, you know, obviously it's unplayable if the ball's rolling away untouched. Um, and so that's why those greens are a little bit slower, a little bit hairier. But also lets them, like they were saying, lets them use a lot more of the green. Let's them use a lot more of the crazy contours of the green and like put put holes in spots that no way they could in the U.S. And it's like, you know, on an average weekend, we're probably playing on greens that are, you know, in that 10, 10 and a half range here in Michigan. Maybe faster in some cases or if you happen to be playing in a tournament or something, if you're that good. But like I thought it was a really good discussion because it, it talked about how you know, if you look at it, it's the putting, right? Like Scheffler can't make putts. Morikawa can't make putts. Spieth misses a lot of short putts. Like, and more guys like Harmon putted the lights out there because yep. you can putt more freely. Um, you're not worried about going 8, 10, 12 feet past the hole type of thing. So I thought that was a really good discussion. Um, I'm going to say this, too, with the NBC coverage. Like, generally speaking, I like it. I like Dan Hicks. I like Mike Tirico. I'm telling you, bring Sir Nick out of retirement just for the U.S. Open and the, or at least just for the Open full time. If you want to leave Zinger for your other tournaments, that's fine. Like let let Faldo just be a, a one once a you know a year guy and let him be the guy for the he's Open way better because he's him. won it. He knows it. He's a Brit. Like he's really good. He he really he is. When he was really there good. in the mornings, compared to Azinger, you see the. Master the obvious in Zinger, who I don't dislike, but is not nearly as good as Faldo and isn't as good as Immelman, to be honest. He certainly no, was Immelman is, is phenomenal. Certainly was no, you know, Johnny Miller. Like that's I just I wish they would t- you know, just give Faldo the open and say, Hey, this is yours, will you come do this? Because I think he yeah. I think he'd do it and I think he would love it. He and Torigo were particularly good together. Um, how about this? Did you see this, Ryan, about the giant TVs with sound that they had on the 18th? Yeah, that's it was weird. kind of a cool thing for the spectators, but I read an article about how players could hear it. It was so loud they could hear yeah. the commentary on their shots on 18. Like guys like Scott Scheffler and somebody else had to back off. One guy, um, Homa, didn't back off because they said, oh, he's got too much club here, didn't back off. 
and either overshot the green or, or had not enough club and undershot the green or whatever. But like novel concept, but why would you play volume on a golf course if these guys are so, you know, anal about every little peep and camera shutter? Right. <laughs> You've yeah, got commentary weird. blast in the background. I thought that was kind that of an odd thing. Odd. Uh, before we get to this week, Ryan, question that Chris sent last week. Um, Terrell Hatton, obviously an angry golfer. Uh, are you a fan of his angry golfer shtick? Sometimes it's funny, but other times it's like, all right, dude, just calm the fuck. As he says, the whole swearing, flipping his ball off, throwing clubs, well, and just you, you see what he did when he took but the, himself. When he went out of bounds off the tee. I don't know if it was Friday or whatever. He sliced tee shot out of bounds, hit another one, sliced tee shot out of bounds, then hit his tee shot way left in the crap. Ended up taking a nine, and he like took a ball to the hole and he aimed his like the butt of his club at the got the hole and just like act like he was shooting at it. At the out of bounds. Yeah, I think he's kind of funny. I mean, he, I don't know if it's a shtick. I think it's just him. Well, um, he, the thing that I makes me mad, like, it. it's funny sometimes, but, like, when he has, like, a 50-foot putt and it doesn't go and he starts yeah, complaining that, about it, it's right. like, you're not going to make it. Like, okay, that. you burn two balls in a row out of bounds. I get it. Like, and you take a nine on a hole, yeah, I'd be pissed, too. Um, you know, you miss a two-footer. You horseshoe a two, you know, a three foot just outside of gimme range for us. You know, you horseshoe a gimme, pretty close to a gimme putt, and you know it's the difference between a bogey and a double bogey. I did that on Saturday. Um, you know, like I get you're gonna kind of like murmur, you're gonna be like fuck this, oops, <laughs> boop. Um, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be mad. It does drop off. You know, and so I think from that case i agree i think fine if he does it i think it's kind of funny but when it's like all the time and it's in ridiculous settings like come on dude you're not going to make a 50 footer like no it's out of the question no if you don't hit it if you don't hit it the tap in range okay i i get it maybe but like if it's a fairly easy putt but to make it like those are like two percent chance of make so yeah um all right that's all that i rolling 3m this week going to mini yep what Um, you got gary woodland yeah, he's pretty high up. Tony Finau to repeat because he's lit, he eats on these birdie courses. Yeah, he does eat on those birdie courses. I'm going to go um, JT Poston okay. and Cam Young. I think Cam Young is going to ride. He's due to win a something. Yeah, he's going to ride uh, his good play uh, from last week and and uh, and make a run. I actually I like the three of them. I love that that 18th it's hole. It's a That's fun. A fun it's a fun course. That they yeah. no they don't like it because it's easy. But so what. I, I like it. I Jen said, like, a JT's going to play in it because he's on the outside looking in for FedEx. Yeah, gotta be like top seven some of these in. guys got to make moves. And that's why I picked right. Woodland because he's kind of on the outside and he played well there, I think, a couple years ago. And if you remember last year, Fina was losing and then Scott Piercy shot like a 45 on the back. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Choked. Um, I, I also could, Strzok is playing, I could see him making a big run again because yeah, he's o- a birdie machine. Only two. Um, yeah, we only got. 3M this week, then Wyndham down in Greensboro, then FedEx Cup. We got FedEx St. Jude down at TPC Southwind. Then we got the BMW. Um, I think it's at it's in Illinois this year. What what's that course called? Um, not Medina. Olympia. Olympia Fields, right? And then Tour Championship down in Georgia. So it's coming up quick. Um, don't let me don't let me forget. I for one thing I forgot for Hodgepodge this week was Fox did a story about ranking the top transfers and. The last oh yeah, years. we saw, I, I, they did a, a good thing on that on um, on a radio show. I was listening to that was kind of fun. Um, well, we'll put that on the list for next week. But yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, I think that's everything. Right. Yep. All right. Sprint at home. Worst 
golf course that you have played in West Michigan? Hmm. I can't remember the name of this other one that's close to it, so I'm just going to go with the one that definitely comes to mind, Arrowhead. Yeah, it's crap. I would say I have three. I can't really decide between Alpine, Grace Will, Alpine's and Arrowhead. Grace Will is kind of a dumb Grace place. Will's horrible. That's going away anyway. I thought it was away Arrowhead. like five years ago. Tyler Creek, that's the other one. I don't I've even know if that's still there. It's still, still there. It's still there. It's like at a camp. I've never been there. I actually put it there by myself once and almost had a hole in one so nobody would have believed it. But yeah, no. like skimmed it off of the top of a mound, hit the stick, and you know, sat to like a foot or two. Best movie slash TV streaming service. Oh. Well, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm, thank you, Chris. I'm a huge fan of YouTube TV after, are you talking about that, or are you talking about, like, the like, Netflixes like Netflix and Netflix and, and that yeah. stuff. All right. Well, I will put a plug in for YouTube TV because it's way cheaper than cable and it's just as good. You get as many channels. Um, hmm. Sponsor us YouTube TV. You know what? It's hard because Netflix is so woke and liberal, and I don't like it. But they do have a lot of good like sports documentaries, um, so I'd probably go with that. But Ma- HBO like Max, Max, HBO Max, Max would be a close second for me because they have way more movies. Yeah, true. Which true. I like probably better than TV shows. Um, all right, I I didn't show you this. I was going to show you this before the show, but it made me think of this for a question: coolest NFL throwback jerseys. Oh, you'd have more look at what they look like. I mean, the Lions have a pretty good one. Yeah, the Lions are sweet. Like, I think back to the sheets that I had when I was a kid. I had the NFL stuff. Like, NFL things were a big deal. They still are, but... Um, yeah, I think the NFL does it right. Like, you know, Oregon is, like, too much, right, in college football. Like, too many combos or whatever. Keep it simple. Have, like, you know... You're home and away, and like maybe a, a alt home and an alt away. The one thing I will say is I don't like the Lions blueberry blue pants. I wish they would always use yeah, the gray pants. Away. And actually, I like their all whites. The all whites, are those are icy. sick. Yeah. Those are sick. But somebody who had somebody has all whites this year in the NFL, right? Or Jets do. They're pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. So. I, my favorite are the Seahawks, the ones that this came oh out old with school. Oh, those yeah. are so tight. Yeah, those are pretty tight. Um, best golfing beverage. Oh man, I mean, just give me a, just give me a Miller Lite. Just give me a good cold beer. Yeah, I said a summer shandy. That's summer shandy is good though too. Like on a hot day, like the other day when I'm shooting a 79, driving a 280 yard green, yeah, and yeah, having yeah. an eagle. <laughs> I got Junior's number again this year. Yeah, I don't take steroids, so <laughs> performance enhancing drugs. I get it from Hims. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't want them as a sponsor. <laughs> None of that. All right, that's it. I got nothing else. All right. Uh, lots of good content, as always. Um, give us your mailbag, your hodgepodge. You know, as we get into the season, it's we'll definitely, there. you know, we'll be talking probably one down Big Ten, one down NFL, you know, but we'd love to keep the hodgepodge out there, you know, and you know, brackets and that kind of stuff. So if you've got bracket ideas, doesn't matter if it's sports or if it's fun, if you've got um, you know, you got questions, you've got suggestions. Chris gave me a good one. It was a little too N C seventeen for this podcast, the six, eight, twelve, twenty-four. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're not gonna answer that, Chris, but um, you know, stuff like that, keep it coming. It doesn't have to just be Chris, Danny, Riley, Logan, Mitch. 
any of Ryan's boys that listen, we know that there's a lot of other people who listen that don't necessarily chime in. We appreciate all of you. Um, Give us your feedback. That's how we get better, and that's how we come up with new content. In the meantime, somebody gives you an opportunity, say yes to it. So what if you fail? You won't know if you fail or succeed unless you try.